Welcome, Warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadowloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page, every episode is short. Secrets of Shadowloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing page 56 of Secrets of Shadowloo. We are approaching the end of the Mriganka chapter of this book. Later on this page, we are going to explore, quote, the depths. And this is where the, the real deep secrets of Shadowloo are kept. But before we do that, I want to prepare you because I'm gonna I'm gonna make a leap later. I'm gonna make an argument. I'm gonna show you something I found in the text that's gonna require you to go with me on a little bit of extrapolation. So I want to lay the groundwork right at the beginning with the fifth floor of the West Wing, quote, spy labs. This is the part of Mriganka devoted to spies. It's like how we've been talking about uh, Mriganka being like evil Disneyland. You know how you've got all the different stuff in Disneyland. You know, you've got your uh, Tomorrowland. You've got your Tom Sawyer Island. You've got your Adventureland, all your different little uh, themed areas. The fifth floor of the West Wing is specifically for spy shit. Because spy shit is a big enough part of this world and of Shadowloo's operation to warrant that kind of space, because this is a cloak and dagger world, this is a world of secrets, I want you to bear that in mind for later. But first, let's talk about spy labs. Labs, I feel, is a misnomer. Uh, uh, There is some science happening here. But mainly, this is more like a spy lounge. Honestly, this sounds fantastic. Of all the places we've read about on Rigonka, because bungee jumping isn't my thing, this is the place I would most like to hang out, I think. Let me just run you through the fantastic accommodations here in Spy Lounge. Quote, Luxurious suites for master spies and criminals. Bison uses many spies, and the overlords of the world often visit, arriving by jet or helicopter. When not being briefed, brainwashed, or brought to the Central Council, they relax down here or on the seventh level. So, all right, to start, luxury suites. If you're a visiting spy, None of this visiting Street Fighter shit where you gotta stay in one of those little pointy huts like a plebe. No, you come down to the fifth floor of Spy Lounge. You sleep in the luxury suites. Nothing pointy down here. We're too classy for that shit. Even for those of us who aren't lucky enough to be, quote, master spies and criminals, there are other slightly lesser swanky accommodations. Quote, average luxury rooms. Accommodations for 10 to 12 agents are here. The average room has a feather bed a television with a VCR and video library, a nightstand, and a washroom. Fine paintings hang on the walls, a dining table is provided for gourmet meals, and a stereo system is equipped with the agent's personal music package. Personal computers wait expectantly in the corner of each room. Each one has a screensaver showing a flickering image of the world in flames. That's branding. That's what that is. That's branding. You don't want people forgetting that they're staying in Rigonka. Honestly, I'm even more into the average luxury rooms than I am Uh, in the luxurious suites for master spies. Because here's the thing. All relationships are based on trust. That includes relationships with Shadowloo. But you also got to be safe. You also got to be cautious. And if I were a master spy or criminal, I would not fly to the island nation of a dictator and stay in a room specifically for master spies. That seems like a good way to get death trapped, or at very least wiretapped. Let me stay in the average luxury suites. I'll just chill out here with the screensaver of a burning planet Earth, and don't forget, a video library and a personal music package. I am so curious about what is in the video library in the luxury rooms in the spy lounge on Rigonka. What what VHS tapes, if you're a buyer for Shadaloo, do you purchase to stock hotel rooms for 
not master spies, but like run-of-the-mill spies? What would a typical deep cover CIA agent enjoy when they're just chilling out in their spy hotel room in Riganka for a couple of nights? I don't even know how to approach this question. Like, my first thought is, uh, you got to find some real exotic shit, some real like, either it's got to be super, super fancy. It says there are, quote, fine paintings hanging in this room. Maybe spies have really refined taste. And so maybe these are like some Fellini films, maybe some real experimental avant-garde stuff, maybe some real hardcore informative documentaries about, you know, history and art and culture. Or or maybe you want to be a little edgier. You know, these are people who live a life of danger. I mean, I heard this in the song Secret Agent Man, but I assume it's true. Spies lead a life of danger. And this is Chateau. They have access to all kinds of shit. Maybe there are like snuff films in here. Maybe there's a lot of like weird porn in here. Or maybe these are total Chateau puff pieces. I mean, Chateau is involved in a lot of extremely criminal activity. You can't exactly send out peppy video packages around the world extolling the wild criminal success of Chateau. But here on the island, in the video library in people's rooms, maybe you could have a little bouncy peppy uh, VHS primer on like what Chateau does, how it operates. Welcome to the island nation of Mriganka. Did you know that everyone on the island is controlled by subliminal messages? Well, now you do, but you won't in a minute because you're being hypnotized right now. Or maybe I'm going about this entirely the wrong way. Maybe when a spy wants to relax, maybe they want to leave behind all of this brutal, criminal, demanding, stressful shit. Maybe these are like uh, airplane movies. Maybe the VHS library, it's, uh, it's 1995. Maybe there really is somebody who works for Chateau whose job is just to call up regular old VHS distributors and say, hey, can we get a copy of uh, Stargate? Can we get a copy of the next Karate Kid? Give me a recommendation, VHS vendor. If you had spent a couple of decades killing for your nation and submerged in its lies, growing ever more desperate and cynical about the world you live in, what do you think would cheer you up more? Uh, 1994's Reimagining of the Little Rascals or Ace Ventura Pet Detective? If you'd lost all faith in humanity, but you were a sports fan, do you think you could still get into Angels in the Outfield? Or, and I think this is the best option, maybe it's all of those things. Maybe, because, I mean, there's space in the room, right? It's it's luxury accommodations, albeit average luxury accommodations. There could be a whole, like, bookcase kind of thing that opens up, and you have all your VHS options. And it's like, well, what do I want to watch tonight? This shelf is just all footage of secret murders. And this one is all documentaries about the secret history of world governments. And this one is just like last year's top box office family comedies, just depending on what kind of mood a given spy is in. I could go on and on about this. I'm, I Sincerely, I would play as a player character, the person who makes the VHS selections for the spy accommodations in Shadow But we have to move on. Uh, after that, you know, there's the gadget acquisition room, which is like where they make all the spy gadgets. It, that's cool. I mean, I can't get excited about it after... Uh, this VHS business, which is much more engaging to me. Uh, There's a briefing room with a holographic projector reserved for spies. Even the World Planning Council or whatever the fuck it's called, even they don't get a holographic projector. Those are the overlords that M. Bison depends on. But they're his employees. They're not company. Spies are company. When you've got guests, that's when you break out the holographic projector. And finally, capping off Spy Lounge, we have a location I mentioned way back on page 44, the Spy Bar. Quote, Agents who tire of the privacy of their own room gather at this exotic bar. The club's manager, Mara, changes the theme of the bar to suit each group of agents arriving. The bar is 12 feet long, and there are six tables for drinking, gambling, scheming, and romance. Imagine a bar that's all spies. 
This would be like, a, you know, when you go into a tavern or something in an MMO and there are virtually no regular people and like everybody is just like glowing and there's a tiger following them and whatever. It's like a drinking spot f- specifically for player characters. Imagine a bar where everybody is a James Bond or a Matahari or forgive me, I cannot at a moment's notice produce a notable non-binary spy. But yeah, everybody in this place is going to be a super spy. Let a bar fight break out. It's going to be all like judo chops from behind and silenced pistols. It's going to sound like someone softly walking on bubble wrap. Seduction? I mean, when you first become a James Bond or a Matahari, it's going to be fun twisting people around your finger, but there's no challenge in that. Over time, it's going to get old, right? And also, people can't relate to your high-stakes espionage lifestyle. Here, if you're a Matahari, the guy at the bar is a James Bond. And when you go to seduce him, he's seducing you right back. And who's that over there looking to come in, swoop in on this pickup? That's another James Bond. They might fight over you. There might be a garrote involved in this one-night stand. And in addition to the people, the whole bar supports this because it's spy-themed. It's run by this woman, Mara, who tailors the theme of the bar to, like, your individual spy lifestyle. It's like a different spy movie aesthetic for every group of spies who comes in. Obviously, this is amazing. I love the fact that there is a designated spy area of Mriganka, and it shows that Mriganka is just deeply ensconced in this world of lies. There are enough secret agents conducting various kinds of business in Mriganka that it's viable to have a bar just for secret agents. There's a hotel concierge somewhere in Mriganka who only deals with like master international jewel thieves and spy network kingpins. That is the cloak and dagger world of No Dan's Land. And that takes us to the deeper secret of Shadaloo on this page. Down in the depths of Shadaloo, there are a lot of things we're not going to talk much about. Mostly these are personal bison accommodations. For example, this is where bison's uh, chambers are, his bedroom. Quote, what do you think bison has in his bedroom? There's a personal film projector, pictures of his greatest triumphs, a training mat, a giant waterbed, <laughs> black walls, black carpet, black lights, and a secret escape panel. I can't exactly articulate why, but I do feel that it is the perfect encapsulation of White Wolf's in Bison that he sleeps in a demonic black room on a demonic black waterbed. Uh, this is also where he has essentially a holodeck. It's called Bison's VR Kingdom. But what I want to talk about is location number five in the depths of Mriganka, quote, the buried meteorite. Yes, this is that meteorite. The meteorite that gave Bison his weird psychic powers, changed his personality that set him off, jonesing for nodes across the world, took over his whole life. The meteorite that is, up until this point, the single biggest secret of Shadaloo. We do get some direct exposition about the meteorite and the chamber in which it exists, but let me first give you the pugilist's account. You'll recall that this is the uh, first-person account of the pugilist, a notoriously unreliable and shady street fighter who appears to exist alongside the other street fighters of this fictional world, but is also the star of like street fighter pulp stories in a magazine that exists within the fiction called Real Heroes. We've talked about this before, but like it's very unclear who the pugilist is. it's, It's clear that within the fiction there is a real person called the pugilist, but it's not at all clear how real these stories are that are in the Real Heroes magazine. This is the climax of the pugilist's story, which we've been following throughout the Mriganka section, of the pugilist infiltrating Mriganka and making his way to its very center. Quote, The corridor no doubt reached far under the waters of the Gulf of Thailand. I could barely stand as springs and cogs lay scattered about me. Then the floor opened. Trap door. No exclamation mark there, just a period. The pugilist knows where the fuck he is. 
I fell down a massive slide into a huge metal chamber. In the center of the room, a giant stone, no doubt of alien origin, pulsed with dark energies. The glow of the alien meteorite illuminated a cloaked figure. I didn't need to see him. I already knew how to sense pure evil. His cloak whirled around his body as he gracefully tossed it into the corner. He took a fighting stance and pointed at me with a meaty, gloved hand. You're not here to destroy Mriganka, he said. You want to fight me? Prepare to be destroyed. Destroyed, I said. Chump, I'm a duly appointed representative of the US of A, the champion of the American Boxing Alliance. I thumb my nose. I'm going to tear you apart. And then it goes on to say, M. Bison, Psycho Crusher, the pugilist, and the pugilist, you know, punched M. Bison. Not too many tools in the tool belt, has the pugilist. When he sees the flaming body of M. Bison hurling at him, he's like, I guess I should punch him? I don't know. Anyway, all that aside, this is the climax of the story. The pugilist has made it into the, the deepest, most secure part of Mriganka. He's facing M. Bison himself, and he has seen the meteorite, the source of all Shadaloo's unholy psychic powers. Truly a rags-to-riches story of a humble boxer who made his way past Mergonkin security to delve into M. Bison's deepest secrets. We might have a certain amount of affinity for the pugilist. We, too, are humble heroes seeking out the secrets of this batshit organization. But remember, we were told not to trust the pugilist, and I'm about to tell you why. Just before this account, we get some direct exposition. This is not a quote from anybody. This is not a quote from a character in the world. This is direct exposition about the truth of Mriganka. Quote, Steel walls glow from the malevolent energies of an alien meteor. Bison comes down here to meditate. Within moments, he can restore his chi to ten by basking in the meteorite's glow. It is recommended that the characters never be allowed to see the meteor or even know of its existence. The meteor is one of Bison's closely guarded secrets. Akazan is the only person to have ever seen the meteor and not die afterwards. The pugilist is Akka motherfucking Zahn. You can have a moment. Take, take a minute. Scoop your brains up off the floor. The pugilist is Akazan. How could it be otherwise? The pugilist has given a firsthand account of seeing the meteorite. And the rules text is telling us the only person who even knows about the meteorite is Akazan. And suddenly it all fits together. You can't see it, but I'm making like uh, swirly uh, finger motions around my head. I'm sort of miming the beautiful mind gif with all the numbers. Think about it. We've, we've had our suspicions about Akazan. He's clearly trying to insinuate himself into M. Bison's power base, take over as much of Mriganka and Shadaloo as he can. Earlier, we were told that M. Bison has only imparted the, the deepest secret technique of, of Lerdrit, mind control, to one student. Then, lo and behold... We get to Akazan's character sheet. There it is, mind control. Akazan gained access to M. Bison's most closely guarded secret Lerdrit power. How? Did M. Bison teach it to him? Is he that close to the throne? Or did Akazan learn it himself through his own personal access to the meteor? Either way, his psychic powers must be vast. And that, in turn, would be explained by access to the meteorite. Meanwhile, we've been racking our brains about the pugilist. Who is this guy? All we know is that uh, the ninja... Sai, who we read about earlier, said, well, you can't trust Pug, right? The pugilist. You can't trust what he says. You got to take it with a grain of salt. So we got this street fighter out here telling stories, making up these tall tales, and publishing accounts of Mriganka through this mysterious, uh, unknown scribe writing in a pulp magazine, Raul Bernstein. And these stories describe Mriganka security, and they describe the meteorite. Doesn't it make a lot of sense if the pugilist 
is just a disguise, a false identity under which Akazan interacts with the street fighting world that is so important to M. Bison. It explains everything. It explains why the pugilist can't be trusted, why he knows things that he shouldn't know. It explains why Akazan has the mind control maneuver, and it explains why the illustration of Akazan that we saw way back on page 14 doesn't match the illustration of Akazan that we see on page 50 under his character sheet. It's because Akazan can disguise himself. The only way this fits together is if Akazan is the pugilist and is out there spreading half-truths and misinformation about Regonkin defenses and, and leaking sensitive information about M. Bison for his own purposes. And if Akazan is keeping secrets like that, he is definitely the biggest secret of Shadowloo to date, not only from us, but from M. Bison as well. What will happen if Akazan, or more likely, some of his hapless pawns, attempt to take Mriganka? For some advice about what happens if a raid on Mriganka goes right, join me next time for the final page of the Mriganka chapter on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com slash view slash Revolution Void, or at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power. <laughs>